Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Ronald Reagan said, we can't help everyone but everyone can help someone. Our guests today represent a group of people who are focused on improving the world one child and one community at a time. Kiwanis Club is a worldwide organization that was established in 1915, whose motto is serving the children of the world, and as such, devotes more than 19 million hours in that endeavor per year. Kiwanis Club sponsors adult and youth membership programs and conduct more than 152,000 projects worldwide. Kiwanis Clubs also raise 133 million U.S. dollars annually, and it's been calculated that the average Kiwanian impacts the lives of 162 children. In our studio today, we have Marilyn Chandler, who worked at Flinders University for 36 years, has been a volunteer at Marion Primary School, and became a member of the Kiwanis Club of Glen Elk in 2015, becoming Assistant Secretary in 2017, and in 2018, their Secretary, a role that she has held ever since. We also have Bob Sitters, who has 40 years' experience in sales, in addition to being a business owner. He's been in the Kiwanis Club since 1983 and served on the board in multiple capacities and has been president of a club twice, lieutenant governor six times, as well as a governor in 2018. He's also been awarded the Kiwanis Legion of Honor Award twice and has been awarded the George F. Hickson Fellowship. Bob, tell us a little bit about, thank you, thanks for being here today, both of you, by the way. Good to see you, Matt. And we're really happy that you could make it. Bob, if we could start with you, if you could tell us a little bit about Kiwanis, where it is, what it does, what's its mission, what its focus is, and all that, that would be awesome. Well, Matt, thanks for having us here this evening. Um, Yeah, Kiwanis was founded, as you said earlier, in uh, 1915, back in uh, Michigan, uh, Detroit, Michigan, in the United States, and the uh, irony of it is that the... uh, organization was originally called the Supreme Order of the Benevolent Order of Brothers, the Bobs, Mm. Uh, but changed its name quickly to Kiwanis a year later. And Mm. Kiwanis um, basically is a a North American Indian term, which translated means we build, and that's what we've done since 1915. Um, In Australia, we've been in Australia for 51 years, and... 54 years, sorry, um, totally, and uh, I'm part of the Glenelg Club, as Marilyn is, and you suggested before, and our club is 51 years old now. Mm. Um, coming up for this, you know, this August will be 51, so mm. um, we've been around a while. We've been trying to do as much as we possibly can in the community, uh, one child at a time. Um, that's part of the the motto, because the, the mission statement of Kiwanis International is Kiwanis is a global organisation of volunteers dedicated to improving the world one child and one community at a time. So that's where we are. And um, we have a hashtag, um, which is Kids Need Kiwanis. Mm. So uh, what we're trying to do is help those kids um, get out of poverty. We don't want to see them... Um, uh, struggling, there's a lot of kids out there that are. So uh, that's part of what we're what we're here for. So, so Kiwanis is all about the children. Absolutely. All right. Totally children focused. Okay. Well, Marilyn, I know Kiwanis has worked with UNICEF uh, towards eradication of iodine deficiency, and which is a leading cause of mental uh, retardation. And Kiwanis has done a lot of work with 
uh, maternal and neonator. neonator. <laughs> Neo, uh, I'll, I'll, we'll be right back after Matt learns English, <laughs> after these messages. No, seriously. So uh, maternal and neonatal tetanus, uh, which causes a big number of deaths every year, uh, hundreds of thousands in my, in my, uh, as far as I'm aware. Tell us a little what their focus is, what they're actually doing for the children. Okay, Please. so I can let you know that all clubs worldwide participated in this um, project to um, get rid of tetanus in these countries. And our club, the Kiwanis Club of Glenelg, had an Eliminate project, which was run by one of our really good members. And after a lot of hard work, we raised $36,000, and that added to the total of $110,000 million. So... Now tetanus has almost been eradicated worldwide mm. and there are many less extremely painful deaths from tetanus. Mm. We also donated to the UNICEF Ukraine Emergency Appeal in May 2022, donating one, over $1,000 and we held two sausage sizzles for the Ukrainian refugees, which was really well received. Mm. Wow. And tetanus was a disease that killed so many people. I mean, very painful. Yes. I mean, we don't... Really, probably most people listening uh, don't realize that, but tetanus or lockjaw, as they that's used to right. call it. I mean, that's that's why you get a shot after a rusty nail, and that was killing a lot of people. I mean, you'd just be one day just scrape the wrong thing, and then you just die. But uh, you just go and get a tetanus. Yeah, injection, now yeah. And, yeah, and here we just get a shot and complain about, oh, I have to get a shot. Yeah. You know? Well, what it was um, in the beginning, of course, uh, that uh, one child was dying every nine minutes wow. and a mother every 11 minutes. Mm. And with Kiwanis's... Um, from tetanus? From... Or iodine deficiency. No, tetanus. That, uh -huh. And that was during the birthing process because the, they were being birthed in dirt. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the tetanus was coming from the the soil or surrounding. And uh, now um, there are only um, 12 countries left in the world now that have got the MNT problem. And Kiwanis, even though the project, as far as we're concerned with our uh, major financial commitment to it, uh, has stopped now. Well, well, we're still taking money, but our commitment to UNICEF has diminished um, but uh, for as little as a dollar sixty US dollar sixty, mm -hmm. uh, we vaccinate a mother and child, wow. and that that's that's them eliminated because mm -hmm. then that child passes their vaccination on to their child and so on as time goes on. So it's not just stopping it; it's eliminating it. I wasn't aware of that. So the tetanus vaccinations now are. Permanent? Because I thought you yeah. had to get one every time you had. I, and when I was a kid, you had to get them every few years. Yeah. Well, this 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 vaccine that they um, that UNICEF are uh, administering is a transportable. It goes through the system. It's a different tetanus. Wow. To, it's a different tetanus to what we were talking about with nails and stuff. It's mm. a, an earthborne tetanus that, mm. that they were um, suffering from. So. Mm. It's uh, quite quite a, uh, a miracle. So for a dollar sixty, would you not try and save a mm. child's life? Mm. Makes you feel guilty if you get an extra coke and, <laughs> and don't and don't uh, make a make a donation. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. So so Bob, what other specific things are Kiwanis Australia? Uh, in Asia Pacific targeting right now. Well, in 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 Australia, um, the, our um, clubs all support the Kiwanis Children's Fund, which is the, um, shall I say, the financial charity part of Kiwanis, where um, clubs can apply for grants to do various things, and it's the money, where the money comes from that goes to UNICEF to do those sort of things. So uh, all the clubs in Australia support the Kiwanis Children's Fund, which I happen to be the Australian chair of, um, we also um, support an organisation called the Children's First Foundation and the mission of, of that facility is to life-changing cha um, surgery for um, children, mostly children that are uh, brought to Australia for craniofacial thing operations. So the Children's First Foundation supports, brings them to Australia they have a facility in Kilmore in, in Victoria where they go for rehabilitation and Kiwanis supports that mm. facility. 
So, and we're also involved with, um, as a major part of our um, organisation, is also with um, Heart Kids. And surely you've heard of Heart Kids, the kids with the that finish up basically. By the time they've got to three years of age, they may have had 15 heart operations. And um, to see some of those kids and the way they've had to suffer, um, nobody wants to see that. But you know, Kiwanis supports the, uh, the, the research into um, CHD. So um, uh, it's a financial commitment that the Australian District puts in, in and all clubs are donating so to that. Are the, are the Heart Kids, that's more uh, domestic or is that worldwide as well? Uh, heart Kids is basically a domestic thing. It's mm-hmm. mostly Australia-wide, that, that, that is, um, as, as is the Children's First Foundation. I mean, obviously, they do things like that all over the world in different mm-hmm. places, but they are three of the things that clubs in Australia um, contribute to. Um, we don't have a commitment, clubs don't have a commitment that they must be part of that. Um, some service organisations say um, we're going to have a worldwide project and everybody has to commit this much money based on their membership. Mm. We we don't have any of that. We just ask clubs to be involved in it. So. How many chapters or, cl- or I guess it's clubs is the word used? 47 in Australia. Yeah, 47 in Australia. Okay, so there's one near almost everybody. Just about, yeah. Okay. Especially right. if you live in, in this side of the country. Mm. Um, we've, we've got a club in Darwin. We have one in Perth. Um, but as you, the East Coast is where and down to down to here. The if South the clubs, uh, if the clubs decide they don't, uh, if, if there's a specific thing they're passionate about, can the clubs focus on that specific? Absolutely. Uh, yes. okay. Autonomy is one of the things that Kiwanis gives to all of their clubs, and sometimes um, it, it, it isn't is to the detriment, I guess, in some occasions because some clubs want to concentrate totally on their little thing and they don't get involved with some of the other things so mm. but generally speaking autonomy is what we give to the club mm. so yeah wow well th- there's a recent trend that uh, volunteerism is uh you know kind of on the down slide and uh, a lot of organizations are having trouble recruiting so uh, but it sounds like uh Kiwanis is, a, and one of the things that I've read, one of the reasons I've read that that's the case is that uh, a lot of people feel that uh, a lot of the, you know, charitable organizations are focused, are, are too rigid and they don't have, a, they have too much structure and you've got to be at this meeting, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do the other thing. There's not a lot of flexibility uh, and it doesn't it, it doesn't sound like Kiwanis is like that from what you just said. Is no, that that's true? Um, we we are very um, open with that. Um, that uh, uh, you don't have to be at a meeting. Um, you just need to tell us or Marilyn being yeah. the secretary to yeah. tell Marilyn that you're not coming to the mm-hmm. meeting, and that's that's all we really want. But. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting back to the volunteer part, it is really difficult, and we aren't alone. Every service club is, every organisation mm. that has volunteers is having suffering mm. with the same problem today. So. Well, well, we're going to talk about that and some other issues uh, after these messages, uh, because that's a, I think that's a pretty interesting and important conversation. So we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. We're back with Bob and Marilyn from Kiwanis Club. And in the last session, we talked about a few things, uh, what Kiwanis Club does, what it stands for, what its focus is. And at the end, we talked a little bit about some of the challenges that a lot of uh, volunteer organizations are having uh, in recruiting. And we talked about one of the reasons why is because some uh, people have a perception that a lot of volunteer organizations are too rigid. You have to be at this meeting or else or whatever. And Kiwanis Club has flexibility in that. And we also talked about how Kiwanis Club is flexible if you've got some sort of a passion uh, in a way that you want to help children that you can uh, uh, each club can lead a specific uh, charge there 
Um, what, why, why do you think that there are challenges recruiting Maryland? And, and, and um, you know, what do you think some of the solutions to that might be? So I actually think that the younger um, people have really busy lives between going to work, um, taking children to sporting clubs, and they just don't feel like they have the time. And I don't think you actually think about volunteering until later in life. But we're lucky um, we are the largest club in Australia and have 54 members. Mm -hmm. And Alan, our our president, and the board work really hard to make sure that members have fun as well as um, helping kids. Mm. And um, I think that's why we keep our numbers up. Our average age used to be 70, but during the last few years we've actually um, managed to get some younger members to join, as young as 40, Mm -hmm. and they've provided really good ideas that have been implemented because when you're raising funds all the time, you actually run out of ideas. So we're loving having these new people join. Mm. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that uh, there's an older demographic. I mean, that's kind of the stereotype uh, you know, and hopefully I won't get in too much trouble here, but the stereotype of volunteers is that, you know, they're old people trying to get into heaven, you know. <laughs> that's right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so that's what I said to my dad when he started going to church at age 70. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> but uh, but, the, re- <laughs> but uh, the reality is, interestingly, I, I looked this up, and uh, in Australia, 36% of all people between 40 and 54 are volunteers. In the age group 15 to 24, and in the age group 55 to 64, that number is only 29%. So the people that you would think would be the busiest, people in their 40 to 54, uh, are volunteering quite a bit. And, and what, they're, what the survey found was that the biggest reason why people, Australians, and I'm talking about Australians, obviously, yes. want to volunteer is the social aspect. Can That's you talk right. a little bit about the social aspect of Kiwanis and what people might get out of that? I can, actually. Um, So um, we have, um, every year we have a President's Lunch and it used to be held at one of the members' houses and we decided that was too much hard work. So we now go to a park and we found some really lovely parks. We have a really good um, Christmas um, dinner before Christmas, early uh, December, and um, it's nothing like me asking them members to actually pick a person at their table and give them a roll of toilet paper and say let's make you look like a Christmas tree with Christmas lights and um, that's a bit of fun and um, we've had a we've uh, organized a tour of Samri we've been to three Galleon theatre productions and we've had a high tier at a Glenelg Hotel and the Christmas event um, the last one before the last one um, a group of four of our members decided to dress up as the Beatles and they were called the Imposters and that was really well received with members getting up and dancing at the end and it was so good that they decided that we should take it to the Australia District Convention and if you've ever um, seen these guys um, at the end of their convention when they've done all their business and there's the Imposters out the front and the next thing you see all these guys doing the Congo line and then they're all twisting and twisting and everything. So I think that's um, part of that also is that we dress up. It can be like this year it's your favourite rock or music star. Last year it was all about rock and roll. Nothing like everyone getting dressed up, some looking quite hilarious to make for good fun. All right, so the key is you want to have fun. That's it. Okay. That's it. And... and uh, Interestingly, in this study that I, that I read, uh, is that the biggest reason why people say they haven't got involved, one of the other biggest reasons why people say they don't get involved in volunteering is nobody asked them. Oh, so yeah. uh, I think yeah. for anybody that's listening that's in a volunteer organization, whether it's uh, you know Rotary or Lions or Church or whatever it is, um, you know, ask. If you you got to ask people you know, yeah, you yes. know that's that's really important. So, uh, Bob, um, can you tell us a little bit about what areas you see a great need uh, to help out South Australian children? 
Well, it's not just South Australian kids. It's it's mm-hmm. all kids, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and our club um, is quite heavily involved with an organisation, South Australian organisation called Treasure Boxes. Mm-hmm. You may or may not have heard of Treasure Boxes, but Treasure Boxes is a an organisation very like uh, when when I first I, I'm a volunteer at Treasure Boxes as well. And when I saw what Treasure Boxes uh, are about, they help kids in need. Well, kids in need, Kiwanis. Kiwanis, kids need Kiwanis. So I was very happy to work with that organisation. And and, uh, Treasure Boxes is now eight years old and supported um, about 10,000 kids throughout South Australia in the last eight years. Um, There's uh, over 200 volunteers at at, uh, Treasure Boxes as well and uh, 170 support agencies they look after. And, um, you know, it's a, a wonderful organisation that we support by um, constantly um, helping them with uh, product for the, the children and all the people that are being supported by treasure boxes by providing them with funding and also um, purchasing uh, toiletries and things that are, are on the need for that. So... Um, and as I said before, heart kids, I mean, there are just so many people that need our support, not just from us, but from everybody. I mean, everywhere you look today, mm. there is somebody who needs something from somebody. Mm. And I think as volunteers, we need to be able to be there um, when needed to do these things to help them. Uh, it's just, yeah, it is really astonishing. Um, you, we were talking before of, of volunteering. I um, have a thought in my head of uh, Muhammad Ali has a, a quotation that he says, volunteering is the rent you pay for living on mm. earth. Mm. And I think that's a fantastic thing. And uh, uh, for somebody like Muhammad Ali to have said something like that really blew me away when I heard that quotation, mm-hmm. but it's something that is stuck around in my head for quite a while. So volunteering is something that we really, really need to get more people involved in and um, ASK is what we have to do. Uh, uh. <laughs> what, what, uh, what do you think that, that uh, we need to focus on where, where uh, South Australian kids need so, the most help? Um, we're finding a lot of evidence of domestic violence situations and how that um, ends up finding that mum and their children in particular need things and there's another um, organisation called Puddle Jumpers and they do a great job of providing food. And so we have um, provided food, but also Christmas presents. They have a really good Christmas um, event for the kids around the area. Well, a lot of an area, actually. They're about Adelaide all over the place now. We um, St Jude's on Brighton Road has a breakfast club and um, that's for between 150 and 250 school children. So we've um, donated to that. And there's an organisation called Debra, and this is for children, and they're called butterfly children, where their skin blisters and peels off. And so um, either a nurse or usually a mum has to every day take these bandages off and then the skin peels even more. And then they have to put them in the bath and wash them and then put a huge amount of cream on them and then uh, wrap them again. So we've decided um, we had a... um, There's a guy at UniSA and his research is all about this. His name's Dr Slatko Kopecki. And so we're donating $5,000 next month for four of these kids and their carers to go up to Queensland for a camp where... um, the carers are taught different ways about bandaging and how they can help the children, mm. and the children get a bit of playtime. And the other thing is we're about to donate $3,000 next month to Operation Flinders, so Jonathan Robram will come out and tell us more about how they take these kids out to the remote outback to give them adventures, and so we're going to supply 20 pairs of boots. So that's just a couple of examples. Mm. So how could somebody join uh, Kiwanis if they wanted to? How would they find out more about that? Or maybe they don't want to join, but they want to help out some other way, financially, Mm. whatever. Um, How can they 
get in, in touch with you, Phil, with so, you guys. Um, so our email address is glenelg at kiwanis, K-I-W-A-N-I-S dot org dot A-U. And those emails come to the president and to me. And um, you'll find you'll get a fairly quick response because I'm on emails all the time. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, we're going to be back in just a little bit. We've talked about uh, how Kiwanis can help out young people and in and and different areas young people need help. But we're going to also talk about how it benefits the volunteer to be involved. So we'll be right back just after this. Listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. We're back with Bob and Marilyn uh, from Kiwanis Club Glenelg, South Australia. And we talked a lot about uh, the things that y'all are doing to help out uh, children in, in Australia, in South Australia, and around the world. But I know that I've read a lot of studies that show that being a volunteer actually helps the volunteer themselves. It helps them with depression. It helps them with uh, their health, their physical health as well. What have you personally got out of being involved in Kiwanis, uh, Marilyn? Um, well, we've certainly made a lot of friends, um, which means more social activity, which is great for aging in a healthy way. Um, if you um, stop conversing with people, you actually lose the art of conversation. But we've also uh, loved the joy of helping and then seeing the results of what we've done. And I find as my, uh, in my role as secretary that I'm still using the secretarial sk- skills that I um, used when I was working at Flinders University. So that's really good but I think the main thing is we're keeping our mind alert by socialising that's what we do Mm. what about yourself Bob what do you think you've uh, got out of yeah uh, much the same as Marilyn and and, uh, I just I just find the friendships that we've um, had and enjoyed over the time have been invaluable Um, I as, as you said earlier I was the district governor for for a term back in 1819 and uh, part of that was um, trips to the United States to training and to conventions and I got to travel to Taiwan and everything with with Kiwanis and so you meet so many people and those people that you meet and in your school of governors become lifelong friends. Well, mm. Most of them, you don't. Yeah, all of the governors. There's over sixty something governors. You don't. You're not a personal friend of each of them, but you know, there's a group of us that become friends, and yeah, it's fantastic. The 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 friendships that we've gained over the years have been you know worth every minute that I've been involved in Gowanus. You know, forty years. You don't hang around in an organisation for 40 years if you don't believe in it and don't enjoy what you're doing. So um, I think that that speaks for itself, really. I just want to say for the audience that when Bob says uh, he was governor in 1819, he doesn't mean the year 1819. (laughs) He's been involved a long time. He meant the tax year. Uh, fiscal year 18, uh, 2018, 2019. Just, yes. just wanted to clarify that for you. Because yeah, when yeah. you said 18, 19, I thought, wow, that's a, that's dedication. It looks you know, good for uh, uh, looks and, good and for you know, Yeah, yeah. You don't look a day over 95, Bob. I really think you're doing a great job. Thanks for that. Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, uh, back to uh, where we were, uh, useful things here. Uh so, so what are the future plans for Kiwanis in Australia and Adelaide? Well, uh, for Australia, our, our plans are to grow the organisation, obviously. We've had a, we've had a, a, a high um, number of members at one stage and obviously it's dropping off a little bit, but we've got to start capturing that now and growing our membership. And as Marilyn said, we've got to try and get youth, youth involved. Um, mm. We need to we need to be really targeting the forties to fifty year olds because they will become the seventy year olds in years to come. But mm. um, we really need to target that that younger 
group. If, of, if they eat healthy and exercise, they'll become the seventy-year-olds. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> they, 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 got, they got a chance to get there, but but, but they have to work at it. Yeah. But we, I, I think. Uh, I find that um, today, as Marilyn said, the, they dish, the younger people today um, don't have, a, have so much free time, or they, they seem to not have so much free time. Um, they've got plenty of time to be on their um, phones and all that sort of stuff. And one of the things that I've noticed is that you can sort of suggest to them, oh, would you like to become a member of our Kiwanis Club? We do all these sort of things with the kids, et cetera, et cetera, and we raise lots of money and do it, and they say, oh, what are you working on at the moment? So you tell them about a project you're working on. Oh, look, I can give you 100 bucks. So they reach into their wallet and give you $100, but they can't give you two, uh, you know, 20 minutes or two hours um, every fortnight to go to a, a club meeting or to to volunteer to help. Mm. So they're quite happy to put their hand in their pocket, but they're not quite so happy to to help and to be a volunteer. Um, and I don't know how, I don't know where we go from here, but we we're working on it. We, we're plugging we're away. Plugging yeah. away. Well again, statistically people between forty and fifty four are more likely in Australia to volunteer mm. than people in the older gener uh, older generation or younger one for that matter. Mm. So I mean there's a there's a want there. It's just obviously not everybody. No, but uh, I I think that if you can make it fun and attractive, and they're going to meet people, and they can feel better about themselves. Yeah. My my old boss used to say, "Sell, not don't tell." You know, <laughs> so I mean, maybe they need to be sold more. Yeah, I well, I, I think you hit, you hit it on the head before. Uh, ask, mm. you know, I mean, we we you can talk to as many people as you like. I mean. Um, we are quite heavily involved with doing bar barbecues at the Big Green Warehouse um, and um, we don't ask people if they want to be a member or want to help because we're so busy serving them the sausage on on top of the onion mm -hmm. than, than we got a chance to ask them sometimes. Well, after they eat that too, you don't want them to breathe on you, I No, imagine. yeah. yeah that's another issue. Uh, that's a, but but that, that's part of the problem mm. is that we don't, get, we don't get the opportunity always to ask. Mm. You know, so, but it is, it is interesting to, when you're watching the younger people, they always come up and be involved in the uh, Bunnings barbecue um, as a client or customer but they don't want to help <laughs> mm. but well, the ones I mean, we have the younger ones have been really good because yes. they have got more energy and um, they have some really good ideas and then we have one who's going to be a lieutenant governor from October so she's really fantastic she's come from scouts and she knows her business so that's really good mm. yeah I wouldn't tell you how to run your organization but again if you make it uh, of a social thing, uh, mm. the the studies that I've read indicate that people want to be engaged socially now because mm. even though there is all this cool stuff on your phone, they feel more disconnected than normal. That's right. So they want to be involved. They want to have face-to-face -face interactions with people. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe they don't even, and subconsciously, some of them might not even realize that. But that's what's missing, and this is an opportunity for them to have that mm. and right. feel good about what they're doing. So you mentioned a barbecue that you guys do. What are the other social-type things that you guys do, Marilyn, in Glen Elk? Um, let's see. Apart from what I've said, so um, I think um, mainly uh, things like dinner dinners and like we had a, we've had a couple of really big gala dinners mm. um the first one was to raise money for heart kids mm -hmm. which was really successful um and um so that involved a lot of planning for who's going to be the entertainer and where we're going to have it and what the food will be and um but you know people came along and had a really good time at that mm. so I think you mentioned some quiz nights and morning yeah. teas and yep. and some other like street marshalling and all kinds of stuff, yep. you guys. Because you've got 47 clubs in Australia, so... Yeah. I mean, it seems like there must be kind of a place for everybody. If you don't fit into that club, maybe you'd click with these people over here. Yeah, well, here, here in South Australia, the, the clubs are reasonably close to each other. We, we spread out from... Um, Gawler and the Barossa through to um, the Flurio Club in in um, Wollonga area, 
and the you know, that 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 young club in the Flurio Club um, is a re- is probably our youngest club in Australia, mm-hmm. and that was when they joined the organisation. But they joined our uh, Kiwanis organisation with a project that they already had up and running, and they just needed some moral support and some thing. And they they have run a um, soapbox derby down the main street of Wollonga. They did it last mm. year and they're doing it it's again fantastic. this November and it's, mm. it's a fantastic event and um, they they are a young club. Um, I think the average age of the, that club is 42. Mm. <laughs> Which is, yeah. So, so it's not like uh, Kiwanis is geared towards a more mature age. That's no, right. no, it's uh, uh, that we've become mature. Yeah, yeah. We, we, so yeah. there was just a few decades where we, you weren't recruiting, maybe. Yeah, like well, be. I mean, we've been trying hard. I mean, I, I I've been in Kiwanis for um, forty plus years and joined when I was thirty-five. Mm. But if you're recruiting people you know, you're going to mostly know people your own age. Absolutely. Or their children. It's almost like you've got to get an outside our, recruiter. Recruit yeah. our grandkids. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to be back in just a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some words of wisdom here from both of, both of you guys. And also how you can get involved in Kiwanis if you want to, among other topics. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. All right, we're back with Marilyn and Bob from Kiwanis Glenelg uh, chapter. Uh, and how do you raise funds to do all this stuff? Because you're talking about, I give five, we give five thousand here, three thousand there, one hundred fifty-five million over here. Where does all this money come from? As my mother would say, it doesn't just grow on the money tree. How do you? No. <laughs> where do you get so, it? We're lucky we have a really good relationship with the Bunnings um, store at Marion. So we usually get a barbecue every month, which raises a really good amount of money. And we've been working closely with the um, um, Holfast Bay Council and we deliver about 18,000 community announcements to resident letterboxes, which is really good because, you know, you get a bit of sunshine. We've been doing it the last week and out we go and we're putting these things into letterboxes, getting our Fitbit steps up. Mm. Um, Every year we have an Australia Day brekkie that's down at Glenelg and um, council asks us to do that. So we have All Holden Day, the City to Bay Fun Run and the Bay to Birdwood where we do barbecues and sell sausage sizzles, sometimes um, egg and bacon rolls. They're pretty popular. And we do street marshalling, which is um, for the Brighton Jetty Classic down at Brighton, of course, and the tour down under where streets get closed off so the patrons can walk down the street or in the case of tour down under, they ride bikes. Mm-hmm. Um and that's pretty easy work to do. And our quiz night um, is always quite successful and a lot of fun. And People's Choice Credit Union Community Lottery, which um, has been more successful than we hoped. But recently, Sean, our youngest member, asked could he arrange this morning tea with an insurance company. And um, we've got a really good um, member who bakes superb cupcakes and biscuits so she did some baking for this morning tea and I sort of worked out in my head we might make about $200. Well, in the end, the insurance company put in extra money as a donation and then another insurance company to do with them put in more and we ended up with over $2,000 and we were blown away by this amount thinking, good on you, Sean, thank you for that. Mm, wonderful. In just one or two minutes, what's the one or two things that you want the audience to carry away from our time here today? Okay, I think I'd like to just say that uh, raising funds for children um, is something that actually makes you feel good about yourself. But um, also, um, you do make a lot of friends, and um, which was the part that surprised me the most. I went into volunteering thinking I just wanted to fill a bit of a gap after I've finished working at Flinders. Um, but I actually think um, seeing what you can do, just you know, just not even spending a lot of time on it, um, 
what you can do for children, mainly the children, but sometimes it has to be mums as well because, as you know, us mums look after our kids. So, mm. But I think um, there's lots of benefits to doing it and I think if you wanted to join, just um, check out our email address. Which is? Glenelg at kiwanas.org.au. All right. And, of course, you can't feel too bad about yourself if you're trying to help out kids. No, <laughs> no definitely not. Right. Unless yeah. you've got some something's broken in you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, Bob, I, I, I'll let you have the last word here. Uh, tell us what you want the audience to carry away uh, from our time here today. Uh, I guess to help us fulfill a dream of a world where every child is happy, healthy, safe, and loved. I think that's something that we want to try and achieve. Um, I don't know whether we have a couple of minutes uh, or a few moments. We also support a program that's uh, a youth program into primary schools Mm -hmm. here in in South Australia and about 140 schools um, nationally in in what we call our Terrific Kids program. Okay. And Terrific Kids, um, it's, you know, Terrific stands for Thoughtful, Enthusiastic, Respectful, responsible, inclusive, friendly, inquisitive, and caring. And this is targeted at year um, five and six kids in in their primary schools. And we um, we don't have the, the, the best child, and we don't choose the child. The child is chosen by a teacher at the school, um, and we ask them to um, pick a child who has improved themselves and we, we give them a certificate and, a, and a, a cash voucher for, well, a voucher for, for a book or uh, for the year fives, year five, we, we give them a voucher that enables them to go and buy a book at Dimmicks or wherever. And to the older children at the end of the year, we give them the year six kids who are now graduating into, into high school and we give them a an office works voucher that allows them to buy some product that they can use when they get to school. And this is all part of this terrific kids program that is a Kiwanis um, initiative. Terrific, as I said. So is this across all socioeconomic strata? Yeah. Or yep. is it? Yes. And, and each club picks its schools that it wants mm-hmm. to go to. And, and, and our club has currently have, we have five four schools that we are currently involved with Um, and they're not all necessarily right by us but Mm -hmm. that we've been able to make contact with and the biggest part of that program we see there's some of the future because each one of those children that we give an award to has a parent at least one Mm -hmm. Um, and we need to sort of use the, the terrific kids program to help us get younger members because a, a year six child has a, mm. a mother and or a father who are in their like early 40s, late 30s. But the purpose is, is to, if, if I'm correct, is to help out, is to encourage a kid who right. might not be the most talented in academia yeah. uh, to recognize their efforts and achievement and keep them motivated to keep making an effort yes that's yeah. the well that's the said, objective yeah. is that mm-hmm. correct yeah yeah because the, the 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 smart kid gets all the accolades the less smart kid doesn't get all the accolades but they walk out of that room so proud mm. that they've got the award okay. it's, it, it, it it gives gives you goose goosebumps it makes you feel so proud just to be part of that and marilyn's been involved with with presentations and and I'm just about to become involved in presentations. So, mm. but it's it, yeah. As I said, um, as long as we can have every child happy, healthy, safe, and loved, we've done our job. All right. Well, again, if you want to learn more about Kiwanis or get involved or maybe support them even financially, you can reach them on their email, which is Marilyn. Glenelgatkiwanas.org.au All right. Well, I want to thank you both for being here with us today. Thank you very much, Marilyn, and thank you very much, Bob. I think we got, uh, the audience got a lot out of it. And uh, I want to thank, of course, most of all, I want to thank you for listening. 
And as always, I'm going to leave you with a brief inspirational message. But before that, I want to remind you to join us next week where our guest is Amy Lau of Aim to Thrive, who will share with us her story from boat child to entrepreneur who helps individuals with disabilities and helps parents with their children. On April 1st, 1942, a scrawny young man who, even though eligible for deferment, answered the call of his nation to serve his country in one of its most troubled times. Almost the entire world was engaged in a conflict that would cost more than 50 million people's lives. He felt he had to serve his country. Unlike almost all of the 16 million American men who wore the uniform in World War II, this young man was a Seventh-day Adventist and a conscientious objector, which meant his religious beliefs precluded him from killing another human being. Even though he was a conscientious objector, he would tell anyone that was willing to listen that he was not a conscientious objector. He was a conscientious cooperator. He felt he could serve his country and his fellow man by saving lives instead of taking them. He decided to serve his country as a combat medic. His personal beliefs were forged as a young child when he saw his father pull a gun on his uncle. His father, you see, was a World War I veteran suffering from PTSD. This left this young man so shaken that he swore he would never pick up a gun again. Remarkably, even though he volunteered for the Army in World War II, he kept true to his word. Anyone listening who's ever been in the service can imagine how well that would have went over in basic training with his superiors, his fellow troops, and in any unit that he served. He was hazed mercilessly, physically and mentally, by both his peers and superiors. He was given the absolute worst details. They did everything they could to make him quit. When those efforts to drive him out failed, his superiors tried every legal means available. They threw every regulation in the book at him that they could twist to try to get him thrown out. They failed. He was told by the men in his own unit that the first time they went into combat that they would make sure he did not come back. Not only did his fellow soldiers promise they would make sure he wouldn't make it back alive, one should remember that a medic in World War II was specifically targeted by the Japanese in battle above regular soldiers. Because of the Japanese warrior code of Bushido, the Japanese were known for fighting to the very last man, never surrendering, rarely taking prisoners, and were even known to use suicide attacks. These are the conditions when he went into his first battle, which happened to be on the Japanese island jungle fortress of Guam. The U.S. would take approximately 8,000 casualties and the Japanese just short of another 20,000. In this battle, under heavy enemy fire, he ran into harm's way unarmed to treat several fallen comrades as well as carry them back to safety. He saved several lives. At the Battle of Guam, he won his first bronze star for bravery. After that harrowing experience, he saw action in Leyte, a battle where the U.S. took over 23,000 casualties and the Japanese took a staggering number of 432,000 casualties. It is here that Desmond Doss earned his second bronze star for heroism under fire, but his greatest test was yet to come. Okinawa, the bloodiest battle for the Allies in the Pacific Theater in World War II. You see, Okinawa was actually part of Japan. The Japanese knew that once Okinawa was taken, the next stop would be the main islands of Japan itself. The USA took 75,000 casualties, 20,000 of them dead. Japan had 100,000 killed and 7,000 taken prisoner, up to an additional 150,000 civilians committed suicide. In this literal hell-on-earth scenario, Desmond Doss would rise to the challenge in a way that astounded everyone but himself, for he believed he was doing God's work. 
His unit was repeatedly trying to take an encampment, which was on the high ground on a rock face that would become known to history as Hacksaw Ridge. Finally, after several attempts, the Americans took the top of the cliff, but it was a trap to draw the Americans in. The Japanese counterattacked viciously and wiped out two-thirds of the American attacking force. The surviving one-third of the original American unit retreated and climbed back down the steep hill, except for Desmond Doss. He disobeyed orders and refused to leave his wounded comrades. He knew that many more would die without medical attention. He also knew that the Japanese would torture and kill any survivors. As the night fell, without a weapon, under fire, in the dark, all alone for 12 hours, he treated and evacuated 75 men by lowering them slowly down the cliff face with nothing but rope, faith, and his iron will. Days later, he was in a shell hole under fire again with two fellow soldiers when a grenade landed near him. He jumped up and tried to kick it away. It blew up, sent him flying, and shrapnel tore through his hip and left leg. Although wounded, he refused to allow another medic to expose himself to fire to treat him. He treated his own wounds and waited five hours to be rescued. While he was being carried on a stretcher to the aid station, his unit was attacked again. He then insisted that another soldier who was more badly injured than he was be taken on the stretcher instead. While he was walking to the aid station on his injured leg and hip, which were bleeding and full of shrapnel, he was shot by a sniper shattering all the bones in his left arm. He then crawled 300 yards to the aid station under fire. Later, when Mel Gibson made a movie about the Battle of Okinawa, this was left out because he was convinced no one would believe it and it would call all the other true events of this story into question. Of the 16 million men in uniform in World War II, only 431 received the Congressional Medal of Honor. He was one of them. He never killed another human being. He never even carried a weapon. He was armed only with his Bible, his faith in himself, his code, and his God. What do we learn from Desmond Doss? Well, we learn that there are two kinds of people in the world. The first who will belittle others' beliefs, who don't value others, who think like them, who don't think outside the box. And then there are the kind of people that do believe every person's important, that every person has value, that every person should be treated the way they themselves would want to be treated. People who might not seem to have the ability or the talent of others, but have the courage of their convictions. And with that courage can do amazing things that very few, if any, believe are possible. And that can change the world for the better, for themselves and the people around them. My question to you is, as always, which one are you?